how we get on, lads. Hi. What's up? So today we're joined by Aaron LaPlante. Aaron, how about you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Aaron LaPlante, and I did the voice of the Duke in Resident Evil Village and some other stuff, but the Duke is, is what people care about. So that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> well, you did well, Prim Primal as well, like. No, no, Primal, no, no. yeah, yeah. I've invited you here for Hotel Transylvania 3, man. <laughs> oh, perfectly perfect. honest with great. You. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. great. Uh, that's, a, that's probably a cool one to be in. But, um, you know, just, just, just for proof of identity, you think we can get a bit of a Duke voice off you real quick? I've been waiting for you, Thomas. And what's your name, sir? I can't remember. Jer. Yeah, what's I? Jer. Jer. I've been waiting for you. Anyone who is anyone has heard of the likes of you. A couple of heroes interviewing an awkward actor. Oh, I love you. You're the best. <laughs> I, my voice actors do shit like that. Um, <laughs> okay, so starting off with Resident Evil 8. Obviously, that was a big game to get into, but what, what was that like for you? Because obviously it started before the pandemic, and yet to get through part of it during it. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, when I auditioned for it, I didn't know what game it was. I didn't know what it was for. That's the thing about those games. They're like super secretive. And so they don't really, they don't really tell you. So I went through the whole audition process and then it wasn't until like a couple weeks later that um, one of the people that's in it, Sarah Coates, who played Marguerite in seven, mm -hmm. she's a friend of mine and uh, she's the one that recommended me for the audition. So after I got the part, they called me and told me I got the part, but I still didn't know it was for. So then Sarah and I went out to lunch and I was like, what is the game anyway? And she's like, Resident Evil, motherfucker. I was like, whoa, that's, that's, that's incredible. And the minute she said that, I was suddenly projected back to when I was 12 years old and playing the game, the first game with my friends for the first time. So it's really amazing to have it sort of be sort of a full circle experience for me. And also, you know, a lot of the work that I do, uh, especially if it's like anime or something, I tell somebody that I do it and then I have to kind of explain what it is if they don't know. But I, if I just say Resident Evil, whether it be the games or those movies, it doesn't matter. Everybody knows what that is. So it's been it's been absolutely it's been absolutely amazing. And kind of like we, we were talking before, that um, this world of games is one of the only uh, sort of avenues now where just like a normal uh, journeyman actor like myself, uh, who nobody knows who they are can get a, a substantial part in a really, really big franchise. And so it's it's kind of, a, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's an amazing feeling. And also the fact that like my life and the aspects of my life have not changed even one bit. It's just that a few more million people know who I am now that didn't before, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they know the character, that's another thing. And then that's what's kind of comfortable is because me walking down the street or going anywhere, nobody knows who the hell, nobody cares. And I like it that way. But if my work can go out and people can get a big kick out of it, that's really amazing for me because as you can maybe see, I'm a big fan myself uh, of a bunch of different stuff. So I kind of know what the fans feel like, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you're just saying like it's a, it's a huge franchise. And like you're saying, it is really cool that people don't recognize you. Kind of for, yeah. and that's the really cool thing with video games that the actor's identity are well hidden enough that people wouldn't go up to you in the street i think or maybe yeah. i don't know have you had any fan interaction in the real world 
Yeah, not really. Usually what happens is, and this is always kind of fun, and this is what I sort of thought would happen with the game too in terms of my character is that I'll be at like a dinner party or something. Maybe it's my girlfriend's friends or whatever, and I don't really know too many people, so we'll all be sitting around. And then um, I'll uh, somebody will say, oh, well, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a voice actor for, you know, cartoons and video games and stuff. And they say, oh, what have you done? And then I'll say, well, I did this and that, and I just did Resident Evil Village and say, you know, either the person I'm talking to or somebody in the room will perk up and be like, holy shit, I, I, I love that game. I, who, who do you play? And then I'll say, well, I play the Duke. And they'll be like, oh shit. You know, like you just <laughs> do it. Suddenly they freak out. So it's that kind of thing is fun. And actually the very first bit of fan interaction was just a fun story. So I gotta, I gotta tell it. I was, it was the, the game came out on a Friday. It was a Saturday. I was sitting there, my girlfriend was out of town so I'm just sitting on the couch, uh, kind of looking at Instagram and seeing what people, how people are reacting to the game. It, it had just come out. And then I get a call from my girlfriend and she says, uh, hey, hon, um, so my ex-boyfriend from college called me. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, uh, yeah, he, um, his son, he's got an eight-year-old son. And his <laughs> son has been playing the game nonstop, like just obsessed with it. Like he's just absolutely in his favorite character is the Duke and he was convinced he thought that uh, Jack Black had done the voice. So then I, you know, and so then her, her old college boyfriend, he, she, he looked it up and saw that it was me and he recognized me, but it's because he recognized me from pictures from her Instagram. So called her up and just wanted to tell her that. So then I was like, well, what's the kid's name? And it was the first time that I went, I've been waiting for you, Ben. Anyone who's anyone has heard of the likes of you and did like a little video for him and sent it off to him and it just blew this kid's mind. And that was the first time I'd ever sort of been able to use the voice in that capacity, like to just kind of, it's almost like, <laughs> it sounds silly to say this, but it's like a little magic wand that you just kind of wave and suddenly like it blows somebody's mind. And that kind of power is is really is really kind of neat. It's just, it, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's a unique one. And um, I suppose you're fortunate enough to have it I can imagine like being that kid though, you know, you, you hear something like that and your mind is just blown because yeah. these kids, they spend a lot of time playing games and if the kids like really playing this over and over, you would have loved that. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I put myself in his position. I can think back to when I was a kid and watching cartoons or playing games myself. And if there was some kind of way that um, one of the people that did the voice could then like say my name and send me a video and watch that. It would have absolutely blown my mind. That's why it's funny. There's all these little opportunities for fan interaction and it, you know, there's the, the attention is cool. It's just enough to make me kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's just because I sort of am <clears throat> ill prepared for it. I mean, I don't, cause I've been working for a long time and most of the time, the work that I do, it'll go out into the world and it is is popular, or it is is notable, but none of the attention really gets turned on me. I'm just kind of a member of the crew that made whatever thing, like Primal's a perfect example because there's no dialogue, it's just sounds. And even though I shred the shit out of my voice doing it, it's more about the animation and the, and the story. So to have it sort of be <clears throat> focused on me is, uh, is, is great, but I feel like it's, uh, little fan interactions like uh being able to yeah being able to sort of make somebody's day the one thing you know that if you've ever heard of that thing cameo yeah i was about yeah. to bring up cameo it's yeah really good so, for yeah people have told me people said you know you should you should get on there and i yeah. never 
I never could, I was like, no way. And the reason why is because I thought nobody would want to hear from me. But then when I realized, well, it's not me, it's the character. If they're having a birthday or whatever, and then I could snap into the character and say, well, anybody who's anybody knows it's your birthday today, you know, and stuff like that. So I've done, so I got on there and I've done it a little bit. And that has been the most gratifying, like fan interact, even though, I mean, I'm getting paid for it, but the, like people send stuff back and they're like, oh my God, I started crying when I heard it. And they're just, they're, they're so into it. And I know exactly how they feel. So that has been actually kind of, that's been really cool. I wouldn't exactly cry. I have a good laugh, but I wouldn't exactly cry. <laughs> Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll send you a video yeah, after this. We, we got time. Don't worry. We, we, we still got time. This. <laughs> um, actually, funny enough, I, I, to, I told some buddies of mine that I was having you on today. Um, I, we have a lot of guests on. I say it all the time. Having this person on, what do you think? And um, I told him about that you were in Resident Evil 8, and I said, you played the Duke, and he was like, who? I'm like, okay. Yeah, like, yeah. You sleeping in the cave or something? But then I said, like, you know, he's also your man from Primal. And like the reaction, like, oh my God, that's huge. Oh, wow. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really such neat. a good show, you know? Wow. That's really neat. I had that's the first time I've I've heard that. Yeah. It's uh Well Primal's a fucking brilliant show. Yeah, it is. And it's it's definitely it's you know, the the um the fellow behind that, Gendy Tartakovsky, is really, I mean, as far as like somebody like Chuck Jones, who created the Looney Tunes. I mean, he, Gendy is on that level in terms of just Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls, which he worked on, The Clone Wars, the first one, Samurai Jack, all the Hotel Transylvania movie. I mean, all that stuff. And Symbionic Titan. There's so many different ones that he worked on and so many different ones he created. I mean, Cartoon Network as a whole, his shows were the ones that were on Cartoon Network to start. And so for him to do this it's kind of neat too because he did a lot of kids stuff but then he was doing hotel transylvania 3 and then he decided to kind of still be doing movies but he wanted to revisit samurai jack because it had, it had not really ended properly and when he did there's a lot more blood it's a lot more violent and then also in that it, when you watch samurai jack you can see that he's kind of like working up to a show where there's not much dialogue where you're just kind of watching the action and what's interesting about Primal is that that was supposed to be a long time ago, the original concept, it was supposed to be a little kid, a little kid and a little dinosaur. And it was going to be more of a kid's show. And but then there was that movie, The Good Dinosaur, that came out. And also, Gendy has kind of a fascination with like Frank Frazetta, Vikings, you know, different um, uh, and not violence per se, but just kind of the ballet of like actually animating a, a fight scene between two characters. And so to have a show where all it is is fighting and all it is is danger and but then there's also like deeply heartfelt moments it's pretty fucking incredible i mean yes. for me what it feels like is to be like to be one of the tools of a of an amazing artist you know what i mean to be like one of these paintbrushes you know what i mean to just kind of contribute and that's what i was talking about before about how none of the attention gets put back on me which i'm totally fine with it's more about the show itself but what's neat about it since there's no dialogue it's all over the world all over the world and there's no dubbing and there's no subtitle it doesn't need anything which is is amazing and we're i just did it the other day we're doing a whole other season of it there's going to be 10 more episodes of it oh, that's brilliant um yeah because i was going to ask because i when i seen it i was like okay this is a brilliant show there's only one season 
what's going on here? This is a mistake, you know? <laughs> but um, look, uh, that's good to hear. Second season's coming. Tom's yeah. just disappearing or turning into a little old pint. Um, <laughs> hopefully he comes back to us at some point. Um, Sorry, I was screaming frantically at my family members as they won't leave me alone. No. Uh, <laughs> having conversations with um, all those people I help. I'm very charitable. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I was about to say with those shows that there's no dialogue. I think it makes them more loved. It's shows like Tom and Jerry or Mr. Bean or Looney Tunes. It makes them yeah. universally loved because it's more slapstick humor. That it's loved by good. all countries, all ethnicities it's by everyone yeah that's you off your phone yeah yeah well yeah you know, you know what those are two really good points to address the first one that's the thing is people are like i've never seen a cartoon like this and i'm like yes you have you've seen you know roadrunner you've seen i mean you've seen i mean that's what cartoons used to be and then for what you were saying keeps you off your phone what's funny is uh gandy tells a story about when he was at the adult swim headquarters and he was showing um he was showing uh the head of Adult Swim, the first episode of it, and they had like a little catering. They had some pizzas out on on a table, and he remembers. Getty was sitting next to the guy, and I I feel like an asshole. I don't remember his name, but he was uh, sitting next to him, and and the head of uh, Adult Swim picked up a piece of pizza, and he was about to take a bite of it, and the show started, and he watched the entire pilot and just held the pizza right here and didn't bite into it or anything. He was so enthralled with what was going on the screen that it's like and gendy said that exact thing where when you're watching it a lot of times people are watching something and then they keep looking at their phone and fucking around and checking instagram and stuff like that but with this one you can't because you'll miss something that, that's exactly it and unfortunately with our shite attention spans that that happens um <laughs> but I, that's why i love doing shit like this like we'll, we'll probably talk for an hour and you know be be happy with it but uh most people wouldn't I don't know, people to watch something like that. You know, you'd rather go to TikTok and watch the 14 second clip, you know? Yeah, it's it's interesting. That, that's why, and that's why I think also too, that's why uh, the medium of, of just games and stuff and how it's like, you, it's a, it's a, you're experiencing it the same way you would a movie or a TV show, except you've got something in your hands and you are contributing to it and your relationship to it is not just, you know, watching an episode in the background while you're whatever, you have to be there, you have to be engaged. So people have a different relationship with these things than they do. They spend 60 hours on these things. Although it's funny, when the game first came out, I would say like a couple hours after the game came out, I was seeing people and whether they were bullshitting or not, I don't know, but they're like, I just beat it on the hardest mode. And I just you did it with knives. And you're like, who are these people? I wouldn't even put it past them on. There, there's guys that, uh play video games with their their tongue like yeah they're just incredible it's, it's crazy how yeah. advanced it's gotten with knives i, I would say it's possible 100 percent. but yeah uh, i mean well when i'm playing because i played it through once and that's what's funny about these games the resident evil is that there's a lot of puzzles and stuff but it also it lets you miss stuff which i think is kind of a neat aspect of the game it lets you miss like if you were just kind of going too fast and not looking around enough, it'll let you miss something and you find yourself way far and you have to go all the way back and do this little thing. And this is kind of funny. I told this to Dan too, that when I first played Castle Dimitres with the lady and her daughters, um, I missed the Duke. I didn't run into him the entire, that whole time I was in there. 
And I was kind of bummed out because I was like, I remember there's a scene. I remember where I'm in this big castle and uh, there's and there's a save point and everything. And that was another thing I had this kind of I was sort of bitching to myself about like, why isn't there a save point in the castle? Because <laughs> there is one in that room, but I totally missed the Duke completely. And so now I'm going back through and playing it again. And and I was able to find him finally. Well, fair patience. I'll give you that fair patience. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was kind of weird with the Lady Demetrescu and um, all the daughters there. Because what, what we had, well, I think we only had one of the daughters on so far, but basically the conversation goes like was it not a bit weird that everything was so sexualized but i suppose capcom kind of knew what they were doing they knew they were going to hit the right audience with that and that's why it was the trailer yeah oh yeah i mean especially with the lady i mean like the her design and everything yeah people are just going crazy and that's some that was another sort of learning experience that i had just about like when these games came out come out what characters are popular and what characters I just kind of go unnoticed. And the lady though, she hits all, cause it's like, in addition to, of course, like guys being like, <laughs> like, you know, like that she's voluptuous and bit whatever. Big lady. And also, yeah, <laughs> but also uh, girls love her, you know what I mean? Cause she's this strong, badass woman. So they kind of like hit both, you know, hit both demographics really. And, and I, you know, I, that's why anybody's interest in the Duke at all is another surprise to me because I've played games with merchants in them before. I knew that my function was going to be the merchant. So in most of those games, the merchant is situated in one part of the game. You go visit him whenever you need shit. He says the same lines over and over again, and that's about it. And that's kind of what I thought my function was going to be. But Capcom, what they did is they took it a step further because, of course, they had the merchant in four. And he was a beloved character. And everybody, you know, there's a lot of people clamoring, like, we want to, we want to get a merchant back. So what they did was... They had it be, he's situated outside the graveyard, you can go see him. But then when you're at most of, not all four, but when you're in some of the most um, stressful parts of the game, he also shows up. So then it became kind of, the character became beloved because of the relationship that the player or that Ethan Winters has to him. And so, but that, but so that, um, that interest and that admiration is uh, not, it's it's kind of it's more deep down so you're not going to see as much fan art of the duke or you know obviously people cosplaying as the duke or whatever but then you've got these um villainous characters especially the lady who just the way she looks i mean even without her saying anything or even if you didn't know you'd say well that's a new character in a video game you'd be like holy shit you know what i mean there's such a stylized thing to her so it it uh i feel like the lady is the john lennon and the duke is like ringo <laughs> in fairness, uh... it's hard to you know have any kind of time in the light when there's a nine foot tall vampire lady in front of you like you know there's, there's not a lot of room and even for a big guy like uh like your man yeah which is, which is pretty pretty weird i want to bring up as well like when you were doing the mocap you know like when mark ruffalo does the hulk they put like this big thing on his head and they give him these hulk hands what did they do mm. for you because you were Obviously, you're not as big as the Duke. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, originally when they when I got the part, they said, "Okay, so we're, this is the you know voiceover, but then also we're going to be doing mocap for this one." And they haven't quite figured out because my character was still sort of in development. Even while, like, when we did the first table read, I didn't have anything to read. In fact, Neil, who plays Heisenberg, would, wasn't able to be there. 
So I actually wound up reading his lines just to kind of fill in at the table read, but they didn't have any lines for me to read. So it was still being worked out. And I had seen pictures of the Duke and he looked a little bit different and still had the suit on. It was still really big, but did have more of a grotesque look to him, like sores on his face and stuff. And so they said, we're going to be doing some mocap. And I was excited for that. But then what ended up happening was they didn't need me to do uh, any mocap because the character is so big. And during my audition, which is like probably the longest audition I've ever had, when I got in there, I did the scene and I did the voice and everything. And then the director was all excited about it. But then he's like, okay, so uh, let me just kind of call out a few movements. You can do them. Uh, try to reach for something behind your back. You're really big. So I'm kind of reaching and then hey, you've got a cigar and you could get some ash on yourself and kind of wipe it off and just do some of these different moves. And then uh, the American producers uh, at the workhouse told me later on that they took that um, video and looked at it quite a bit. Now, what, what actually made it into the game, I couldn't point it out. Like I couldn't say, oh, see that movement? I remember doing that or whatever. I have no idea. That's all their design. But that was kind of my mocap. So all of the wearing the suits and doing all the stuff, they all kind of got to do that together. And I wasn't really a part of that. So if any of you watched that sort of reunion that we did on Nicole Tompkins Twitch, that's the first time that I was meeting a lot of those people other than the table read. Cause at the table read, nobody even knew what, what I was. I mean, if you've heard some of Maggie's interviews she didn't even know what she was involved with at the table read when she started reading it. And then after the table read she heard people sort of clamoring like, oh, uh, Resident Evil, Resident Evil. And even that she's, I, you know, she didn't really know what they were talking about. So it wasn't until she got involved and did some research herself and found out what a, what a big deal it actually is. What a big deal she was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought uh, that, that's kind of interesting <laughs> that they kind of just had you do a couple of small things and said, oh, right, go on. But I suppose like you're right. Your man was kind of like stuck for movement. Yeah. Well, and the thing about it too, is that, uh, I had the benefit because uh, I didn't really do much mocap. They had done a lot of design on the Duke. And so there was, um, uh, I went in there probably like six or seven times to like different recording sessions to do different lines. And the Duke has a lot of lines. I mean, he's in the whole game. So, uh, you know, doing all of them different ways because they didn't want to know, they didn't know how mysterious they wanted him to be. So it seemed like every take I would do, it would be like a really mysterious one. And then one that was just kind of friendly and that you wouldn't, it wouldn't really spark any kind of like curiosity or, um, or, or sort of warning in Ethan. But uh, the fuck was I talking about? Oh, and so I was doing the lines and then, and then um, what ended up happening was those reactions, those little wiping the cigarette ash off and doing all that kind of stuff, they, um, I actually was in the booth and I got to see the Duke, um, not fully designed, but for the most part, and they already had his movements animated. So then I just kind of like went like, oh, oh, oh or like made some, like made sounds along with the Duke's motions, which is actually kind of funny because that's what I do for Primal. Because usually you record an animated character and then they do the animation later because they have to match the lip flaps and stuff. But with Primal, the animators, they do, they animate the entire thing. It's fully done. And then when I go in there, we go beat by beat. And I watch the character like jump off something, punch something, stab a dinosaur, and then scream. And I have to follow that action as the character's going. So when I did that for the Duke, I was kind of, I was kind of used to it. 
Dude, that must be awful for your voice. Like, you yeah, I just, after. yeah, I did it. Um, I just did an episode of it uh, the other day. And there's something, sometimes it's like when, um, and I did some of these in some of the, or the, the earlier episodes where I do the voice of Spear, but then sometimes if he's fighting somebody or like some monster or like a gorilla or something like that, I will also do the voice of the thing that he's fighting. So it's me fighting myself, basically. So you have to do the entire episode as one character and then do the entire episode again as the other character. And the, I mean, yeah, the, 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 I basically, I have to warm up my voice for like almost a day before. So I drive around like whenever I'm doing stuff and I just sing in the car just to kind of like get my voice going. And then on the way I sing, I, I sing a lot of like old nineties rap songs, but in an operatic voice on the way to the studio. So is it just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. And I'll just do that for like the two hours that it takes me in traffic to get to the studio, do the session. And then I'll sing on the way home because uh, I also have this special cough syrup that I get in Chinatown that was actually um, special uh, cough syrup, huh? Special cough syrup. Uh, it's not, it's completely holistic. It's all like marshmallow roots and stuff. But it was uh, suggested to me by Fred Tatashore, who is the guy who does the voice or, and has done the voice of the Incredible Hulk for years. And uh, that guy, I mean, everything that he does, whether it be a video game or anything else, is always just, he has a huge voice. So like, it was definitely uh definitely a game changer for me but my voice is still kind of fucked up from the other day <laughs> can i say fuck on this podcast i just said it like dude multiple times. we're irish no okay no okay. no 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 i'll give it up what, what was the, what's the thing with that podcast we did jared where uh we were invited on this person's podcast and be- before the podcast started she, she goes to us so fyi i know you guys are irish so you're not really allowed to swear because their podcast is to a predominantly American audience. And I'm like, oh, no problem. And after we were done recording, they got back to us and said, oh, yeah, I had to um, I had to edit out uh, a good 15 minutes of that podcast <laughs> because I, of the... There's something about sometimes that... See, that's the thing. I feel like I've said fuck like so many times until now, but it's only now that I realize it. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of just kind of flies out, you know? Well, yeah. the thing is, it, over here in Ireland, it's not as um, mean vicious. It's not as vicious because yeah, you know, yeah. over in America, when you guys say "fuck you," it's very, you know, you hate that person and <laughs> you you wish death upon their family kind of stuff. But over here, man, if I said that, like I'm I'm talking to my dad. No, I'm like I'm I'm telling my dad he did a good job. You know, I'm like fuck off with you. Good on you. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's it's really weird. Like. The, the big difference there because when we talk to some americans you know I, sometimes I, i'd say a curse word and i'd see the look on their face like and i'm just kind of like okay sorry <laughs> I, i'm not going to curse again yeah oh well, i don't know it's yeah I, I guess with these that's another thing too is that this doing what we're doing right now is another thing that i'm not used to i mean i since the game came out i've done a few of them i mean i feel like dan allen that was actually the first one that i ever did and there, and and even after that, I mean, I watched it again, and it was fine. We had a great time, but I, after I was done, I went out and sat on the couch and with my girlfriend. I was like, I hope I didn't say anything stupid, or you know what I mean. Like, there's something about now. I have a little bit more control of it, but it, you know, I've been doing this shit for like 
10 years and this is the first time that anybody's ever wanted to talk to me about it or you know what I mean so I kind of felt I was a little bit blindsided I didn't expect to be I figured all the other characters would be sort of making the rounds but um little by little I'm figuring out that people really like the Duke so I find myself like trying to like be careful what I say but then I'm now I'm kind of relaxing a little bit more there's um there's not nothing bad you can say and um, most interviewers like they they'll either bleep out the thing or just say don't but the people who say don't like don't curse it really does freak me out sometimes like do you, do you not curse in your own in your own time like what are you scared of here like if i say fuck are you gonna like explode yeah well i think one thing too though is the thing i need to remember is that like there's never gonna be any like religious podcasts asking me to talk about the dude <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like you know what yeah. i mean like any sort of like uh anybody i mean anybody that plays resident evil and likes resident evil is not going to be uh, offended by the word fuck i don't think <laughs> no. yeah no no hold up there you say no religious podcast and i'll have you know <laughs> no, all right. oh my god it's a religious excuse me uh i'm gonna have to tell granny not to watch this one anyway no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know. Um, it's it's always a weird one. Have you had to do an an interview yet? Where like you you can't you can't curse or like you cursed and they were like, don't do that. No, I mean no, I don't know. I think that there's there's been I mean no, they've all been pretty they've all been pretty chill. There's some though that and I got pissed off the other day because there was a guy who wanted to record, wanted to do a Zoom, and then he wanted to. Um, he was, he was, and then he was going to write an article. And so he wanted to kind of do a zoom so that it was easier for him to transcribe instead of like over the phone, transcribe some of the things that I said, we could just do a zoom call. And so we did it. And I was kind of just, you know, like, I don't know, I, I didn't really care as much about being as articulate. And, uh, and I'm, we're just talking and whatever. And then he took that. And instead of writing an article, he just posted that on twitter and it was all the audio was all fucked up and stuff so that's kind of the only bad experience that i've had other than that everybody's been really cool because you know like you guys and dan like you know you've been doing this for a long time and and definitely have experience doing it it's not it's not uh there was one guy that was and he was super nice but he was terrified it was this guy from iran because in the middle east uh, resident evil is like a huge deal there they, they're like huge fans of it and uh, he had never, he asked me if he could interview me. And I just said, yeah, sure. And he was shocked that I said yes. And so when I got on there, he was like sitting there like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous. I'm like, don't be nervous. I mean, like, I'm just sitting in my stupid apartment. You know what I mean? Like a month ago, nobody even knew I existed, you know? Yeah. So, Dude, yeah. That's literally it. Like, we're, we're just people having a chat. Like, we all got up this morning, brushed our teeth. Had a coffee, tea, whatever. Pick your poison. I'm yeah. having a chat. And I think what's really neat too is that, especially in the gaming world and with like podcasts, that's why I, I mean, like I've turned down a couple just because I don't, I just whatever they seem kind of like inexperienced or whatever. But for the most part, I do them all just because uh, I've also found that the the fan relationship to the people that actually, um, at least the voice actors it's kind of cool that you can just have a podcast and then just sort of reach out to somebody and there doesn't have to be um, this like corporate shit. You know what I mean? It can all just be like person to person, which mm. I think is awesome. Yeah. The, the corporate yeah. stuff leaves room for manipulation and like changing your words. Yeah. 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 Um, what was the like, weirdest one? But didn't we have a, didn't we have, we had a voice actor on 
and they they got their corporate team to sit in the Zoom with us while yeah. the interview was happening. That was wow. a bit weird now. And the, the, we put them on mute and we hit their screen. But, you know, after it ended, you, you, it, it's like you nearly forgot they were there. And, they, you know, the interview ended. And they were like, okay, thanks. I'm like, oh, fuck. You forgot you were here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah. overly involved management. Yeah. I think there's also, too, the fact that anybody that's got a podcast uh, and that wants to talk to me at all, I already know that they know what they're talking about. They're familiar with games. I don't have, you know what I mean? Like, whereas I think there's other avenues, like a lot of on-camera stuff where you do like press or something, there's a person and they're just a press person. They're not interested in what you've done. They might not have even seen it, but they're just asking all these questions so they can get like little sound bites. And these things are different. Like the people I'm talking to actually know what they're talking about, which is nice. Yeah, it'd be kind of weird if someone was like, how are you getting on Aaron? I'd like to do an old interview with you. Um, and then they, they start making mistakes about your character. They like maybe say that said you were Ethan Winters or something. And they don't know shit about the thing you were in. That must be really awkward because I've seen it happen to other actors where people try to interview them and then they mix it up. Yeah, I mean, and I think that like, I have been lucky to not, I mean, so far not have that. Because the ones that I've turned down, I just kind of, you just can kind of tell. You're like, this is just a fan that wants to have an hour long conversation with me. It's not going to go anywhere or be any, you know what I mean? Like, and their questions are probably going to be kind of shitty. And so it's nice to be able to uh, talk to a couple experts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Where? Um, cool yeah they, they sound like cool guys uh <laughs> with, um with this though like when you say like people having an hour-long chat with you or something you know we started using obs I don't know if you're familiar with that that software to, to i don't think so this. Uh -huh. so you'll, you'll notice the zoom call right now isn't recording i'm recording on a separate thing and oh. like I, I started thinking about it because we've been doing it for maybe a couple of weeks now and I was like, is any, is it, has anyone ever noticed it's not recording in the Zoom call? It's recording on something else. Like, could they, would someone walk away from it thinking, did we even do a podcast? <laughs> was it just like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. this guy's ended up booking a call with me? Yeah. But no, there's, there's, there's proof on the internet anyways. But yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, making make a podcast is a weird old business. You, you ever, ever consider doing one yourself? You got the voice for it? No. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, people have talked about it, but there's, you know, or I'll have like friends that will be like, hey, we got to start a podcast. And here's the deal. We talk about movies. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dude. Yeah. So we're just going to do a couple of shitheads talking about movies. Like how many podcasts of, about that are there? You know what I mean? Like, or should we have guests or is it just us talking about what we think about? You know what I mean? Like, so there's been a lot of things. I think also to my my low self-esteem keeps me from doing that because I'm kind of like, who the fuck would want to listen to me? You know what I mean? Like, but there's, but my friend, like there's been some interesting ones, interesting ideas for ones. And I have a hell of a, I have a lot of fun being a guest on them. It's fun to, it's fun to talk about this stuff. So yeah, I mean, I guess like, as I do more of this stuff, I, I sort of think about it, but I feel like I, I sort of believe that it's you, you either like have, um, have the ability to book interesting guests or you have some kind of gimmick you know what i mean but if it's just like two dudes like oh now we're going to talk about the ghostbusters for the 580 millionth time you know what i mean like and there's a lot of those like when you're searching for stuff you have to kind of like wade through a lot of that shit and so i feel like i think i would if i had a really good idea for it or if i had the ability to uh to book interesting guests you know yeah 
Let me tell you here, Aaron, you, you would not believe the saturation of film podcasts and tr- true crime for some reason is very, true very crime. popular. Matt, it's it is. Yeah. very popular. Uh, yeah. These kind of shows, interview shows, even though they get a lot of the views from podcasts, they're more of the rarer ones, I believe. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Those are. Like, man, yeah. It doesn't take long to find how many true crime podcasts there are. And maybe there's maybe four or five, maybe it could be even 20 big ones. But then it's just, you know, smaller ones that are tra- trying to do it. Like, it's seriously saturated. But then... Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. I suppose what, what trying, one is all right. But, um, like, trying to find... And, like, that's sometimes, like, I'll have the ones that I listen to. But then, like, you know, like, trying to... It's, sometimes it can be kind of a journey to find a new podcast to listen to. Um, yeah. Usually people go off recommendations, word of mouth, or if they see something, you know, on Twitter or whatever. I mean, like, when it comes to... If you're going to start one with, like, the whole like guys talking about movies thing ask yourself would i watch that would i listen to that yeah oh yeah yeah for sure for sure because there's also too i find that there's a lot of uh you'll find these people and you can tell they don't know shit about movies and they're just like you could you could open up imdb the trivia section and just follow along with the podcast and they will be like reading off all the shit that's in the trivia section of whatever given movie like i don't know if you guys realize this but in psycho they use chocolate syrup instead of blood isn't that weird and i'm like fucking if you know anything about movies you know already know that it's you know what i mean but there are some people out there that are like oh my god that's so interesting i didn't know that you know and so it's grabbing people's attention that's another thing it's like navigating uh, the world of social media that's something that you know because there are fans of this game and if they want to reach out to me or, or or contact me in any way, they know where to find me. When the game came out, it was a lot of that. Now, it's not really that at all. The fans, I just kind of de- have decided to let the fans decide how interested in me they are or not. Because it's not me. It's the game. It's the character. So if they want to spend time with the character, they'll play the fucking game. They don't need to like engage with me on Twitter or, or Instagram for that matter. And I also am not, you know, like every now and again, I'll dip into Twitter and just put a little bit of Resident Evil content and then dip out. But it's like this, this sort of like actors being um, actors kind of like, um, you know, taking the attention being like, look, 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 look over here, look over here. You know what I mean? Like I can't, uh, it's not that I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I just can't. It's not even. It's not in me to I, do I that. I can tell by you. Mm. <laughs> but that, that that thing you're talking about right there, like it is very hard for fans to separate the the character from the actor, and sometimes they get too involved. Maybe like they will go overboard with it. So Classic I can understand. Joffrey. Game oh of yeah. Game the guy of got death threats after. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, they really, yeah. Or there's, I mean, there's sometimes if like with that cameo bit, or if there's even just a comment, like if somebody's having a hard time, and they really love the Duke, and the Duke gives them a lot of comfort, one reason or another, then for me to be like, oh, you know, like, uh, get well soon, or whatever, that's really meaningful. That's really cool. But when I not so much anymore, luckily, but when the game first came out, I got a bunch of these, um, messages and all they said was i need to talk to you and there was a lot of them from all over the world people just going i need to talk to you and i'm just like i don't need to talk to you i mean like i i love engaging with the fans like i said i'm a fan myself 
but so, you know, you got to give a little bit more. You can say, I need to talk to you because my child is sick and he really loves the Duke. And could you say hi to him? And like, I will, of course, do that. But if just to talk, I'm good. I got plenty. I got my girlfriend to talk to and I've got some friends to talk. You know, I don't I don't need I don't need to talk, you know. That's pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked. If I'm getting that, imagine what Maggie's getting. Oh my god. Nicole. You can just even apparently she like... loves it. <laughs> Nicole was telling us she loves it. I like yeah. that she'd be sending like memes back and forth of like Lady V like fan art and everything. Like um well, that's the thing. And like, you know, and if she can yeah, I mean if she can sort of like navigate that and not get uncomfortable with it, uh more power to her for sure. I sincerely hope that in the future maybe I can get there and a little by little i am i mean because i can basically like what i was saying before i can control my engagement with the fans if i don't want to i just don't and they don't really seem to be like knocking my door down which is which i really am grateful for because at first there was this kind of ground the 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 the, the trailers came out everybody saw the lady and we're like holy shit and it was all about the lady so then when the game came out and people started to have interactions with the duke there were little articles saying like oh wait a minute the duke and people love the duke and there was this little sort of swell and that is kind of like chilled out a little bit and so whenever i talk to fans of the duke they're not just they they they're not just passing uh, they don't just have a passing interest they're really really uh into the duke very similar to the fans of the beatles that are super into ringo <laughs> You know, like I said before. <laughs> you're, you're a Beatles fan? It sounds like it. I love the Beatles fan. Yeah, yeah. You can see right here, this is, uh, mm -hmm. I collect animation cells. And uh, I've got a, a shitload of them. There's, I mean, I, they're all on the walls there. Oh, wow. Uh, from different cartoons, mostly from cartoons from my childhood. But some of the ones that I, some of the ones, I actually took the cells themselves and then changed the background. Oh, so wow. you could see, I found- that's yeah, He-Man. Yeah. yeah, I found a cell of all the He-Man characters walking in profile. So then I just took the background from Abbey Road and I actually, sorry, let me stand up. I'll go find another one here. I did the same thing for the, uh, that's pretty cool. That's for awesome. the Fat Albert kids. <laughs> oh part, my God. Which is kind of cool. And then I also did, I'm, now this is kind of show and tell here, but I got to show you another one here. Oh, we love this. This is uh, this is a great one. I, I love the I love the Beatles. <laughs> Ghostbusters cartoon. It was one of my favorites growing up, and I love the movie The Shining. So I took a Ghostbusters cell and I had somebody paint the two little girls at the end of the hall. So it looks like the Ghostbusters are in the the hotel with with <laughs> The Shining. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy shit! You got good taste. I'll give you that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Shining do you uh, do you watch uh, Yesterday? Man, the, the you know the film where the, like the I actually never I have not seen that yet, and it's not because I actually did want to see it, but you know how like there's so much stuff to watch that sometimes you just kind of miss it. Like if it's not in front of your face, and I'll be like cycling through trying to find something to watch, and I'll see it and be like, oh, I gotta watch that, and then I always just kind of forget. I would highly recommend it. Very good. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you for us, Thomas. If we want to book someone on the show, we have to end up watching something. So we have plenty of excuses. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so you kind of went on a bit of a tangent there, but if you want to smack back onto the Duke there, you know, when you look at like the, the lore and all about, about, your, about your character, like after the fact, um, what, what, what do you think his whole story is? Because he says he can't tell you what he is. He doesn't even know himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's your interpretation? 
Yeah, it's funny because uh, the um, that's another thing that I just did. I, you know, you hear all like fan theories of anything, whether it be like fan theories of the Marvel universe or fan theory, whatever. I never really paid too much attention to them. But then for this one, of course, uh, the Duke is so mysterious that there have been all these different fan theories and people are making um, videos and stuff and talking about where they think he is or what. And so I find myself, uh, anytime I talk about it, I find myself just kind of stealing from those because they're so creative. I don't think I could really <laughs> come up with anything better. But I will tell you that when I was recording it, um, because I was familiar with the Resident Evil universe and I had just played uh, Seven, that I, I suspected, like as we were going down through the lines and reading the different lines, and then I think it was the very last day I was recording, they say, well, this is your last day of recording. So then I was wondering if there would be any lines where the Duke suddenly became the villain of the game or sort of like turned into some kind of monster and tried to kill you like at the end or something. Because, you know, if that happened, people could kind of expect that of the Resident Evil universe because it's for the most part, there's not really much help for the player other than like a phone ringing and you answer the phone and somebody says like, hey, meet me in the parking garage or whatever. Like that's kind of the only support that the players usually have. And so I thought he would be uh, one of the four lords. And then after it was all done, I thought, well, I mean, I guess, you know, it's not, he seems to just be friendly. I obviously didn't say any lines that were threatening in any way. But then when Ethan wakes up in the back and sees that sigil, and so what I'd like to think is that there's a lot of different things. I don't really know if I could, uh, I'm just gonna say a, a few different theories. One that I think that uh, the Duke and Mother Miranda knew each other. And when Mother Miranda became, when, when Mother Miranda created the village or took the village and turned it into what it became or what the player sees it as, that the Duke was an inhabitant of the village, but he's this alchemist and he has some kind of secret power that Mother Miranda, can, so, cause he's invincible. I mean, if you throw pipe bombs at him, nothing's gonna happen. And so, and he always seems to be really calm about everything. So I feel like he is uh, this character that can't get out of the village. So the only thing he could think to do is help anyone that comes in to try to make things better. So I thought of, uh, that's one of the things I thought. I also think about the Duke as being, maybe there's some psychic aspects of the Duke because he always knows where you're going to be. And uh, whenever he talks to you as you're going off, it's almost as if he knows you're going to succeed. So he's just kind of, so the, that's what that's where the sort of calming presence comes from. So that's another thing that I think of him. Um, there's little Easter eggs where it talks about that he like meets with the four Lords and actually does uh, deals with them which makes me think that he has a really strong power and that power is in the ability to, you know, make potions and somehow figure out how to be invincible. So um, the four Lords even do deals with him because I think that each one of them want to become bigger than mother Miranda, but that's just my theory. I mean, it's, that's just, I mean, and again, I'm probably stealing from a bunch of different YouTube videos on this same subject. And they came to that conclusion way before I ever could. <laughs> Uh, we're probably onto something there, yeah. Yeah, well, my my interpretation would have been that he, he's probably involved with the whole Mother Miranda experiments. You know, actually, I don't know, she put that thing in everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, that like, I don't know that you, your man might have one, but he's like the least mutated or something. And then he just wanted to get away from it, like Heisenberg did. Um, yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe like, maybe in his own way, he was trying to help Ethan the way Heisenberg was because Heisenberg wanted to use you at the end to try and help him beat Mother Miranda. Maybe Duke was doing it in his own way as well. 
So. Yeah, I mean, well, the fact that he didn't, you know, everybody asked me, did he die in the explosion? And of course he didn't. I mean, there's not like, I, I don't know for a fact, but I mean, he didn't die. And so then people say like, ooh, is he going to be in, this, in the next one? But, you know, I, I, I can't even think that far ahead. And also um, what I've discovered, which I think is really kind of neat, is that, you know, the games kind of started off as being like, the Umbrella Corporation, it's zombies. It was obviously one of the first like sort of big survival horror games. And uh, and it and it came out before The Walking Dead and all that. So it kind of is is regarded as being one of the things that kind of like started the early, the, the zombie craze, because obviously zombies have been around for a long time, but it's only in recent years that everybody's obsessed with zombies. And then as it went on, it started to become a little bit more of like a first person shooter almost like call of duty and zombies at the same time like in some of the other games so then i think when seven came around it was as if they were like okay let's completely let's go back and let's do obviously we'll have some tie-ins to the umbrella corporation and stuff but for the most part let's do an entirely different game and then now they do the village and it isn't it's like it's like uh, one of those like fantasy games but survival horror at the same time so for the next one, who the hell knows what it's going to be, but I guarantee you, maybe some of the characters are going to carry over, but it's going to be an entirely different, you know, that show American Horror Story, where like yeah. every new season that comes out is a different kind of horror. I feel like there's going to be certain Easter eggs and elements that tie them together, but for the most part, the next one is going to be some new kind of horror, and it would be amazing if the Duke was in it, because I like to work. But if he's not, I mean, who the hell knows, whatever, you know, or maybe there'll be like a callback to the Duke, like the Duke did for the callback for when he goes, what are you buying? Just something an old friend of mine used to say, which has become like actually one of the fans favorite lines in the game because it calls back to the to the merchant in four. Yeah, I think it's why they make those those games so lovable by the fans. And that's because they're, it's this big extended universe with all these Easter eggs and callbacks and if you're as involved as the people making the games, you understand all these little references and you get to build up these relationships like with the Duke or with the merchant from Resident Evil 4. Yeah. And it's it's very rewarding to be a fan of the series, I think. And Yeah, and the fact that also too, I mean, they, they realize that, you know, you obviously you spend a lot of time with the game, but that you're trying to figure out a way that sort of like to make it playable again, to make it worth it to go back through it again. And certainly for me, I mean, when I got through it, I was just trying to get through it because I did Dan's interview and I was only halfway through the game. And so he's asking me questions and wanting me to comment on certain things. And I'm like, I haven't even got to that part yet. So I kind of just went through it and uh, frankly missed out on a lot of shit. I missed out a lot of the treasures that you're supposed to, find. I didn't find any of those. So now I'm actually going through and kind of taking my time and, and I'm noticing so many new things. I mean, I, I feel like obviously I, I remember doing certain things, but it feels like a whole nother experience. Yeah, I, I can't even begin to imagine what it was like doing it and then, then playing it afterwards because I don't know. Yeah, it was funny. I actually, the day the day that uh, I got it, um, which I believe was the, the, the very next day after it came out, um, I was starting the game and, and the beginning of the game is, is terrifying. It was really just walking through the woods and stuff and that scene where you go into that guy's cabin, he's got the gun and the lichen pulls him through the roof. It's just so cinematic and so great. I was so into it. But then there's a certain part where you come around the corner, I see the castle and off in the distance, I see the Duke's carriage. So I stop and I go and I get my tripod out and I put my phone on it and I, I get it like framed right on my face, turn the TV up as loud as I can, press record, and then I go. 
And then right as the Duke goes, I've been waiting for you. Right as that happened, you can see my reaction. It's on my Instagram. You can actually see my reaction the very first time I heard my voice. And um, I was gonna, the whole thing was, I was gonna do the voice and say something stupid into the camera, but you can see in the video, I'm so taken by it. And so like, holy shit, that I suddenly just kind of get almost like, I almost like blush and get kind of embarrassed. Cause it just like, I was just stunned to be honest with you. Cause I mean, there's, I've had that experience before of like recording a character and then seeing the show and it's always satisfying and always neat, but there was something different about this because I think that when I was recording it, there was so much I didn't know. So what was neat is, yes, I got to hear my voice, but uh, I was experiencing it the same way that just like anybody that was just playing it experienced it because they didn't, obviously they told me anything I needed to know to play my character, but any extra information, they didn't tell me anything and good on them because not only does it keep the secret, it also helps me to have a fun time when I'm playing it for the first time. Yeah, that's a good way to be. Have to ask yeah. though, did, did they give you a free copy? No, no, they didn't. They didn't. I was wondering if they would. It's funny because I did a, I, I, it's, um, when I was a kid, I was, I wasn't very good at games because, you know, the platform games, like there was a learning, you had to kind of either be good or not. And then as the game started getting more elaborate and they started adding different difficulty levels, that's when I started picking up games again because I could just play it on casual. I'm not very good at this stuff. And I can still have the experience of playing it. And so for years, I didn't have uh, I didn't have a system or any kind of hardware. And then I did a game that came out uh, years ago. And you know, like when you, you know, when you go into a game store and there's always like the really good games right here. And then a whole wall of like games that you're like, what, who made these? Like what, yeah. like who, who plays yeah. these? Well, this was one of those games, <laughs> but uh, it had an interesting idea. And I'm, and some people really loved it, but I kind of couldn't really. It was a, it was a, remember the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? Yes. They did a, a game called Groundhog Day, like father, like son. And it was a VR game that was a sequel to the movie Groundhog Day. You play as his son and you go back to the town and you start reliving the same day over and over again. And that's the gameplay where it's like, you have to do certain things and you have to remember certain things. And it's, so it's, it's, it's interesting in that sense, but it, it was, it was really long and it was a VR game. And so when I did that, I played the character, Ned Ryerson, the guy that comes up to him on the street all the time, Phil, Phil, like that was the voice that I did for it. And that was the one where I did the, the, um, the facial capture. And then one day, I get this box in the mail and I usually don't get, I don't really order stuff that much. So I thought it was my, for my girlfriend. So I just kind of set it aside. And then finally she said, what's that box? And I thought, I thought it was for you. So I opened it up and they had sent me a PlayStation VR so that I could play the game. Oh, wow. I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. But I didn't have a system. So that was what got me out to go actually get a system. <laughs> so I still have the PlayStation 4. And when we were doing the game, I didn't, um, uh, when we were doing the game, I found out that it was going to be one of the inaugural titles for PlayStation 5. So I assumed, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to play it. I'll just kind of wait a few days and then watch the cinematics or cutscenes on YouTube or something. But then when it came out, I was so thrilled that, that they actually released it on 4 as well so that I could play it, you know. Dude, virtual reality is fucking crazy. Yeah, well, and that, I, and that, see, that's another thing is that that uh, I played Resident Evil Seven 
uh is yeah there you go that's so cool uh, resident evil 7 there's a vr you can play it on vr and uh i got uh i got really stoned one day and i was like i'm gonna play resident evil uh, on in vr and i was by myself here oh, and i dude. put the thing on and i walk into that first house <laughs> and i just ripped it up like a like a certain like a surgeon that had a bad, you know, surgery. I just ripped it off my face and was like, no way. I, I dismantled the whole thing, put the VR helmet and put it in the closet. And I actually haven't taken it out yet because it, it was it was absolutely terrifying. And they talk about, I don't know for sure, and this is not official and I've not heard anything, but they talked about possibly, um, or some of the fans have been sort of like speculating, like, are they going to do a VR mod for uh, for Village? And I sincerely hope they do because those VR experiences that you do, you know, where you like you go somewhere and put on a thing and you have a gun and everybody's running around the room. We did it. I did a Ghostbusters one one time, and it was one of the greatest things that I've ever done in my entire life. I was actually kind of tearing because Ghostbusters <laughs> is my favorite thing. And I was it was I left and my girlfriend was like, how was it? And I'm like, it was one of the greatest experiences of my entire life. And so I think to the future, I mean, if VR is what it is now, I mean, five years from now. 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Yeah, uh, it is uh, crazy. Even what we have today is what are those haptic feedback gloves, Jared, that uh, you can uh, feel the items in VR with like yeah. they apply pressure to your hands. So as oh, really? it's like you're feeling the item that you yeah. can see. The, uh, the, yeah, the haptic gloves, you, you go to grab something in VR and I don't know what, whatever it does, but it'll put like restraints on your hands. So it feels like you're yeah. holding something. <laughs> Yeah. So say, say it's like a bouncy ball. You could squeeze it a little bit, but it would stop at a point. And you could throw wow. it. How fucking that, cool would that be? That is so cool. I mean, it's it's the possibilities are endless. I feel like I was also thinking about, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but like what if you were able to sort of download every photo that you've ever had either online or otherwise into some kind of software that would then when you put on a VR headset, you could go to your eighth birthday. Like you could actually like be in the kitchen and your mom would be there and all your friends or whatever, like, like, cause, cause it would like create that environment for you. You'd be at your grandmother's house, you know, on Christmas or something like that, you know, it'd be kind of cool. Get the patent on that and get it fast. I, I know that's right. That, that Air LaPlante, Air LaPlante was the one that came up with that. So <laughs> but he, he, you heard from here. Here's what downside with VR though at the moment. I, I got the Oculus Quest 2 and, you know, Facebook bought Oculus. They're a huge part of VR at the moment. They decided they're going to start putting ads into VR. Oh, really? They they announced it like last week, maybe even three days ago, that kind of period. They said they said they're going to start putting ads in VR. That's why. Do you think they would wait a little bit and get people kind of hooked on doing it and then put the ads in there? Ads literally up against your eyes. Like, get out of here. That's you're, wild. You're, play, you're playing some kind of game and it's like pop-ups coming up for whatever. Imagine, I mean, imagine unskippable ads in VR. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, if you're like, you know, like fighting a dragon and then they're like, go, go to McDonald's. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be awful. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. But um, I don't know. Unfortunately, like they're, they're, they're still good stuff. Like it's one of some of the cheapest headsets you can buy. But then, yeah. you know, you're just kind of stuck there with ads now. So I can't yeah. wait to update that thing and have ads against my eyes. <laughs> yeah but dude vr is just so crazy at the moment you know i don't know i think it's very limitless in what it can do like like tom's just saying 
you know, we went from games like Pong, a ball bounces back and forth between two white bars. And yeah. then, you know, you got these haptic gloves, you got haptic feedback suits, you feel if you got shot. You know, if you're near a... a one thing to do for Skyrim VR, if you have one of those haptic feedback suits on and you're near a waterfall, you get the humming of the waterfall like if you were actually at one. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just... It, the possibilities are... Endless. Well, one of the things that's kind of troubling that I heard too is that you know, because a lot of, um, I don't know if it's happening there, but there are a lot of movie theaters are closing down. Now, obviously, COVID and everything affected that. But even before COVID and all that shit was going on, movie, all these great movie theaters were, were closing. And they're starting, to, people are starting to project that they are going to be replaced with a headset where you can sit on your couch, put it on, and then it makes you feel like you're at the movie theater so you can watch it like that. I did it the other day. It's crazy because it's like there's something about just the energy of being there, having a communal experience with other people. Uh, when something is either scary or funny, you can't you can't replace that. You can try to, but I mean you can't. I don't know. It's just crazy. I'm sorry. I have to take a piss. Can I? Can I yeah, take a moment? Go ahead. Take time. Was, you know, I was going to bring this up, Jared. Uh, favorite, my favorite experience at a cinema ever, man, was opening night for Endgame. Uh, because the audience, man, they were just so alive and electric, and you could people laughing, crying. Uh, they were shouting along with the Avengers, man, cl like clapping. You think people would be pissed off clapping in the cinema? Everybody was like applauding when portal oh. scenes. It was, man. Was there as well, I heard. <laughs> no party, but everyone was just cheering for it. <laughs> but, but here, with, with a ghost that, that VR thing, real quick, just a story I had there. So I, I was with my my my, my buddy. Goes by no brains. You probably probably know him. And um, we're sitting in VR, uh, VR chat. And I'm dressed as Darth Vader. Okay, he's dressed up as like I don't know. He's some kind of like Greek statue. And we're sat in this VR chat cinema basically. And it was so weird. You know, you sit in the seat. I look beside me, and there's just this Greek sculpture. And we're watching Monty Python, the Holy Grail. And I'm Darth Vader. Like. It's so bizarre what VR can do. It's like, like just saying, you saying there a second ago, Aaron, about like the cinemas, like watching a, cine a cinema movie or whatever in, in VR. Weird experience. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, I, th I just, what my hope for humanity in general is that they look at all these new advancements, every new thing that comes out and use it as a tool to then make something. You, you know, as opposed to just be a user. Just, just be somebody that like, they've got a thing and I'm going to whatever. It's like, take it and then use it to make something yourself. Like, you know, I, even these games, like I want the inspiration for people, you know, even if they just use it for their own enjoyment. But I just mean like these new technologies that are coming out, it's like, it's never going to stop. Whatever new technology comes out, it's like social media, anything. I mean, social media can ruin your life, poison your brain, or you can use it to get your work out there if you have work that you've made you know i mean it's it's kind of up to the individual even though we all feel like we're all connected now we are actually not we're more we're, we're not as connected as we ever used to be we're just more aware of good shit and bad shit so i feel like you know and i'm and i'm noticing that a lot with just the reaction uh, and the attention that i've gotten for resident evil it's kind of like you know Ooh, shit. Like, you know, you could either go, you could go one way or the other. I could be constantly on there asking people to look at me, or I could just like give them what they want, do the voice or something. 
And then that, and then they're, and then they're happy. And it's like, well, that's great. You can use it to kind of spread happiness for something. And that's it. It's not about like, Hey guys, uh, Aaron here. Um, I just made some pancakes and they were so good. You should have seen them. I should have took a picture, but I didn't anyway, you know, cause there's a lot of that out there now too. There I mean, to, you know, especially among actors because uh, you know, there's a large percentage of actors that want, that want attention. I mean, obviously that's kind of the beginning of where it starts. And then, but it's interesting how, you know, you ever notice how uh, reality show stars usually don't transition into becoming actors because nobody will accept them playing a different character because all they do is remember them for doing what they are, or what they did. Yeah. Now, obviously there's plenty of crossover, it happens, but for the most part. So what's happening now is people are trying to build their brand on Instagram. They're trying to become famous by being themselves. And then when they go to play parts, people are not going to accept them because they're gonna be like, well, this is the guy that does really funny taco videos. And now he's trying to play a dragon, we don't believe it, you know what I mean? So that's another reason why I don't really engage in a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't know why I started talking about that, but technology is going to ruin our lives. Oh, you're, you're right, though. There is this huge thing online of people, bring, you know, building up brands that are, we talk a lot about, like, fake, you know, fake personas, or they act. They say they're acting like themselves, and it's, it's not at all what they're actually like in real life. And then you said they go for acting jobs. It doesn't work out, man. Cause yeah, I mean, like, I and this is kind of this is like really uh, maybe overly dramatic, but the thing that I, the, the thing that I was struggling with is that if I don't do that stuff, is it going to somehow hurt my career? Because the business seems to be like people look at actors and see how many Instagram followers they have. I mean, that is a real thing. So then I started to get kind of nervous. But then as it's been going on, I, I've this is a bit over dramatic, but I say I'm not going to do any of that shit. And if I don't, and I, my career doesn't go anywhere, then I guess I wasn't meant to be a voice actor because I live in this time. I can't live in any other time. So if it, if, if it doesn't happen, I'll do something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's kind of all I can really. Um, and again, I mean, not to say that the fan interaction is not, fan interaction is great. It's just in the right way. If I'm sitting here talking to you guys, we're actually having a sincere conversation. It's great. But like, you know, constantly like, just having an audition and being like, hey guys, just had an audition. It went so well, I love you. And then like five minutes later, hey guys, I'm in the car now. I was in an audition, I walked to the parking lot. Now I'm in the car. Five minutes later, hey guys, I'm in a drive-through now because I just got in the car and now like it just, and, and I, it, I'm saying that to be funny, but that's, if you follow some of these people, that's how it is. It's every it's little thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing is with them people now, they'll make a lot of money, but I, I know like, that yeah. fact is you're starving like uh, for work a lot of time you're starving for work you know it's it's really saturated unfortunately and if you can make money outside of the gig for a gig you've already done i, I would do it like i know i know people who did modeling for characters in call of duty not the voice not, oh, not the yeah. mocap modeling for the character and they've made that a full-time streaming gig so if you can do it yeah you can do stuff. I mean, look, and, and like these conventions and stuff, I'm going to them. I'm going to Chicago in October. I'm going to go to them. Of course, I'm going to go to them. For one, it's uh, I go to those conventions myself as a fan. So I understand how they work. And um, I like the travel. It's cool to travel places and also to meet somebody face to face and spend the day having people come up to you 
and really you can see how excited they are about the the work that you contributed to that's great it's amazing and you make a little money that's great whatever you know that's fine but yeah like sort of trying to take it and then sort of take it to the next step is uh I don't know. I mean, I think as the years go by, I think I'll sort of learn how I like to do it. And, you know, I, what I said before about like, it, maybe if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But also I do have sort of this optimism that exists because everybody says the business is so much different. It's changed completely. And it absolutely has. The way I like to think of it is if you are standing at a bunch of actors standing out in the desert and there's this giant plateau and that is the business entertainment business and we all are longingly staring up at it trying to get up there and sometimes somebody throws down a rope and you try to pull up and then you fall off and then sometimes you actually get there with streaming and the internet and and all this kind of shit that plateau has fractured into a million pieces and now us actors are just kind of wandering around and picking up pieces and trying to make our own littler plateaus and to be honest with you, I'm totally fine with that. If I, because there's so much going on and I have an ability that I can apply to those things, I would, I, I think it's entirely possible for me to just carve out a little sliver of space that I can exist in where I work on good shit. My work is good, but I don't, I'm not famous at all. But, you know, I can, uh, I can go through life. Nobody gives a shit, but maybe a couple times a year I can walk into a room and everybody freaks the fuck out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, which is the life of a lot of voice actors. And, that is what I've always been going for, always. Uh, it, it's, it's, I don't mean it to be like false modesty or anything. It is just that like my personality is not conducive to having a, a, a lot of like direct attention. And I've got a lot of friends. I mean, I've got some friends here that are some of the biggest actors in the world. And they're really nice people, but there's an element of misery that goes along with their lives because they can't go to the store. And if they do, they can go to the store just fine. But then people are coming up to them and talking to them and they all have great intentions. But after a while, I mean, what a life where you walk around and everyone knows who you are before you met them. Your life hasn't changed. You haven't changed at all, but everyone around you has changed. It seems like an absolute nightmare. But there are some people that really are good at it and good for them. I mean, like, I wish I could be that way, but I'm, I'm sadly, I'm not. And unfortunately, when you're in that situation, people might try to take advantage of you. Like, there's a lot of social climbers that exist. You know, they're not really famous for anything except having famous friends. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Shout out to the Kardashians. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, sh sh shit like that. Um, like, imagine being Mike Tyson right now. Like, I don't think there's anywhere you could go and not be recognized. Old no, there's... Old people know who he is. Young people know who he is. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And I, in Los Angeles, there is a little bit of a, there is a little bit of, a, depending on where you live, like I live um, in, in Venice Beach, and Venice Beach is not really like a, there are a lot of really wealthy people that live here, we have a rent controlled apartment. So that's the only way we're able to live here. Otherwise, our place would be really expensive. What's a rent controlled but, uh, apartment? Rent control is where you get into a, an apartment and then the rent stays that rate and they can only raise it 3% every year. So like if our, our, my place right now is not, it's just a normal two bedroom apartment. There's nothing special about it, but the area in which it, it sits, it should be like, like $3,800 a month. But we only have to pay like two something because when my girlfriend moved in years ago, that was the rent. And so they, they sort of keep the rent the same. And if we move out, then the landlord can charge whatever they want to charge. But so that's how, because my, my neighborhood is incredibly rich people and incredibly poor people. 
and then all the people like us in between, which I'm not anywhere near rich, certainly not poor, but just kind of right in the middle. So you don't really see, I don't really see too many like select every now and again you do, but if you go to places like Beverly Hills or even not so much Hollywood, cause Hollywood's kind of like a touristy area. But if you go to some of these places in Beverly Hills, you can sit in a restaurant and you could sit there and look around and see some of the most famous people in the world right now. But because it's here and it's more of an industry town, people do kind of leave them alone, but that's it. I mean, anywhere you can imagine anywhere else they go where people are not used to seeing somebody like that and people just go nuts, you know? Dude. I, I got a buddy out there and um, he's in Burbank and he's one of the, like, okay, he's, he's, he's pretty big, but you know, only to a certain audience. And yeah. he, was, he was in getting coffee one day with his, with his manager and he's the most energetic 60 year old you'll ever meet in your life. And like now the, the actor I'm talking about, like, hmm. and he's in the line behind uh, Caitlyn Jenner and oh. you know, only when they turned around was he like, like I don't, know, I don't know what reaction he, where was coming from. But he's like, "Fuck it, Jenner," like, like to, <laughs> to, to his manager, like behind him, like. But um, it came out quite loud, and Jenner just looks at him in the face, like, "Hi." And, yeah, and it goes I, on. He he said he felt this fucking small because he had like this kind of like, I'm in front of a celebrity right now. What do I do? moment you know yeah well the thing is for the for years i was a uh, i started off as a, a bouncer at, at bars in hollywood and then like little by little i worked my yeah, way in yeah yeah right work i sort of like work my way into being a bartender because a bouncer you don't really you just get paid hourly it's whatever but you see how much the bartenders are making so you want to get in there so I was able to get in there. And, and for me, for the most part, I was able to keep it together. But you know, like when you're working at a restaurant, somebody comes in, you are obviously going to have some kind of interaction with them. And I worked at a place in Hollywood for years. And for the most part, I'd be fine. But there were some people that would come in, that would just kind of blow my mind. And they weren't like really like notably famous people. It was more like directors or people that are kind of used to moving through the world and having people maybe not recognize them as much. But um, there was one director that came in. His name is Joe Dante. And you can look, I mean, if you don't know who that is, you can look him. He directed the Gremlins and he directed a bunch of other uh, movies from the 80s, The Burbs and uh, Inner Space, some of these like amazing movies. And he came in and as I was, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but as I was taking his order, because his films meant so much for me, I was kind of just like, uh, hey, sir, uh, uh, how you doing? Um, um, <sighs> sorry. Um, is uh, is there anything I can? I started tearing up as I was taking his cool. order for like a burger and fries, and I had to like, and then I had to go back and like compose myself and then come back out. And so I've had moments like that definitely, but uh, I guess I'm a little a little bit more used to it now. <laughs> we, I'm we, sorry. I'm sorry for laughing. That's rude. Uh... No, no, okay. we, we've had the moments ourselves, like having guests on, like you know, you said about the Iranian guy who was kind of freaking out when he seen you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We, we've had that plenty of times yeah like this guest and i was like oh in five years i would love to have this guy on and he got on like in the first month and i just kind of sat there like <laughs> yeah you know i like, mean you used to it though you get you like you guys have done this enough that like you know it's it just takes getting used to it and then and then especially because uh once people open their mouth, like, you know, you only knew them from the thing that you admire them for or the thing that they do that you admired. But then as soon as they open their mouth, it's kind of like, oh, this person's either an asshole or just like a normal, humble, nice person or whatever. But it really sort of like 
takes all the air out of it, I feel. Oh, we've, we've had our fair share of assholes on this show. You know who you are. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we got to get on before. We used to have a third host, and it was Thomas. And I was gone one day, and the two lads were at us. And we had a guest on, and he, they just got on, and they started bullying the two lads. Like, they were just making fun <laughs> of them. And it was like, yeah, they, they, like they invite, we invited you on the show, and you just took, you know, how long out of your, out of your day just to insult, like, a bunch of young lads. It, it yeah. Was, it was pretty weird. We've never had something like it since, but it was comedian. I won't, won't, get, won't name him, obviously, but really, really not weird. that funny. Not Very that weird. funny. No. Yeah, it's yeah that, that and that's that insecurity that comes out. I mean, the thing that I and I think I've done it a little bit as we've been talking about the thing that I struggle against is being um, really self-deprecating because you know it can be funny, but after a while, it's like people are watching this because they want to hear me talk about. They don't want to hear me talk about like. They don't want to hear me make fun of myself or talk badly about myself. But I don't know if you guys watched the Dan Allen one, but I feel like I did that a lot. I mean, he was like, you're fine. You're fine. It was fine. But I found myself just like really taking the piss out of myself. And he was asking me like, how did you come up with the character? And I was like, I didn't come up with the character. They wrote the character. They like sort of taking, taking everything away from myself. And then I talked to one of the American producers afterwards and she was like, that was fine. That was a fine interview, but don't diminish your contribution to this yeah. thing, you know? Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. You know, but it's, it's hard because that's another thing too, is that all the attention gets paid to the voice actors, but um, the voice actors are the people who work on the game the least of anyone. But They're they there have for such a significant role. Like totally. if, 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 I, totally. if I played the Duke versus you playing the Duke, <laughs> big difference, you know, it's sheer character. And then you do an amazing character. I mean, it's a really, thank you. No, it's an important thing, but I just think of all these artists. I mean, cause sometimes too, I mean, I'll just wander around the village just looking at shit because it's so detailed and you find yourself walking around and it, it feels like this medieval village. You feel like it's like, okay, this is another time. This is another time. And then you come around the corner and there's a stack of like little cat carriers or something, or like, you know, a, a truck and like some, um, modern you know like uh, implements to work on the truck or whatever and it, so it's interesting uh, just all those the attention to detail because that's capcom is really big on that like just really going out of their way and spending as much time as they possibly can um on the detail it's kind of like good old-fashioned it, it's it's capitalism but but the good old-fashioned kind where you make something you want people to buy it so you make it as good as you can possibly make it which is kind of rare these days. A lot of times people say, we want a shitload of people to buy this and we also want to spend the least amount of money on it possible and cut corners wherever we can. And it happens all the time. But with a lot, not just Capcom, a lot of these game companies, they want the thing to sell. The thing is selling for $60, $70 a pop. So it should be, it should be worth people's time and worth people's effort. And Resident Evil is definitely, uh, definitely one of those, my God. Imagine being the guy or gal who had to spend like, I don't know, multiple weeks doing all the like the flowers and the grass in that game. I mean, I, I think about that a lot when I play Red Dead Redemption, uh, just thinking about all the landscapes. There, someone, it's had so to, someone had to design the fact that like the balls got saggy on the horses <laughs> when it got, when you're in hot places. Yeah, that is like, so crazy. Like, the, the, the horses shitting randomly because they just kind of do whatever, you know, and it's just like, 
the realism there and that i mean they took like 10 years making that game i think they took about seven or eight years to make resident evil i mean even now i'm sure that uh resident evil the the ninth one they are already well into development figuring shit out for that game for sure yeah, yeah. They're, they're a bunch of amazing people who make these games like even with the likes of call of duty i remember we did a live stream before thomas and i for some reason i brought it up we're probably getting shot at mauled at the, at the time tight inside one of the buildings and i was like dude they have usb ports on these plugs that's so cool <laughs> like you know like that's on your yeah. wall they like you like you know my like three pin plug for, for europe and then they had like two usb ports on the top of it i was like that's so cool that's so detailed that's so awesome and then we're getting mauled and it's so yeah. cool too because I have to say that like for as far as my experience uh, recording it because you had asked me before about you know what would, I didn't really touch on it what was it like doing this uh, during part of COVID, and um, what's interesting about that is that you know I think normally a lot of the crew if they were using us American actors they would have come over here and wanted to be in the room with us while we did this stuff and that's usually what they do, but for this one they couldn't. So there was this time, of course, a time difference. So if they're all in Japan, it's like when I'm recording it, it's like, you know, two in the afternoon. And for them, it's like four in the morning or something. And so they all, a lot of them, when we were doing these recording sessions, had to, they were doing like almost like um, graveyard shift, basically night shift to do this. And there was so many people, but I could only listen to them. So it was a bunch of Japanese people and an interpreter. So for the lines, that's the thing about voice acting, you know, and a lot of people say, well, it's performance capture. Well, my shit wasn't performance capture. So I'm only speaking from a, uh, a voice actor's perspective that um, usually when you're acting in something with somebody else, you have a lot of help by the fact that you're dressed in a costume, you're on a set, there's another actor in front of you, you're, you're having a dialogue with that actor. You both of you has probably memorized your lines. If it's a play, then you're going through it. And if it's, then you're doing a take or whatever. But when it comes to voice acting, there's not somebody doing the voice with you. There's not somebody reacting with you. You're just doing it yourself. And you do one line and then you wait for direction. So like when I'm doing Spear and Primal, I'm just sitting there, it's an air conditioned room. I've got my water, I'm doing whatever. And then I look at the screen and then suddenly I have to snap into the intensity of a man ripping the throat out of a dinosaur and do that. And then I just slump back down and just have to sit there and wait for direction and wait to do it again. And then when, I, and then I have to snap back into that. And so the same thing with the Duke where I'm just kind of sitting there and then we go line by line and there's a lot of consideration put into the line. So what happens usually is we come to a new line. They don't give me any direction. They just let me say it however I think I should say it. And sometimes when I do it, they go, great, that was great, moving on. Other times, they spend a lot of time. And what's interesting is when I was sitting there because of COVID, I could only listen. So I'm in the booth by myself. There's engineers there, of course. And uh, I say a line. And then I hear people speaking Japanese for like three minutes or something, talking back and forth, talking back and forth. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, God, that must have been horrible. They're probably like talking to each other like we need to get this guy out of here this is terrible and then after about three minutes we hear the interpreter go that was great okay moving on <laughs> and there's something <laughs> about how like they have to they really want to discuss every little nuance even if it is something that they like um and it's just so funny too to like they they're speaking to each other in japanese but a lot of them do speak english or at least they can understand english 
so it's so funny to have like these people it's like dead silent you you forget that there are people even there and then i say a line like when i say the line uh lady dimitrescu beautiful even in death that waistline yes <laughs> i remember after saying that the thing went off and all of a sudden you heard all these people laughing and so it's it's just funny they're like getting the humor and it's such a meticulous process it's really kind of uh i don't know it was really it was really unique because obviously when i'm doing when i'm recording primal or anything else the person's right in front of me and we're having you know sort of a dialogue back and forth but this was like a room full of people it was like so people say oh, who did you who directed me like 20 different people basically yeah yeah, yeah i know making those games is complicated dude but you, yeah. you did a really good job but that does sound like you're a bit hard on yourself there because even when the lads were having a chat saying it was it was good you were thinking to yourself am i getting replaced is this, was this a bad job yeah. well and that's the thing too i have to say that uh there's you know you're doing it line by line and then you do leave i do leave and i kind of go like because i you know like i had said before i uh or maybe a, this was when we weren't recording that i get really um if i have to use my own voice or anything that's close to my own voice it's really i get really uncomfortable so usually when i'm doing a character or any kind of character i always try to sort of heighten it and make it as far away from my voice as possible even though the duke is just a subtle change but it's a lot different than my actual speaking voice i mean you can sort of see little little sort of similarities there but so when i went in and and was doing that crazy voice and they said no 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 just make it kind of and so this voice, to me, this voice was just kind of, I don't know if it's going to be as effective, but that was just my opinion. They knew exactly what they were doing because when they cut it all together, they had a plan. So then watching it in context now, I'm finally able to be like, that was a pretty good performance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas, and I'm not one of those characters. I'm, I mean, like when I do stuff, I look, I love watching myself. You know, actors are like, I don't like watching myself. I love I watching too much myself. critique for myself. Yeah, because I've wanted to do this kind of shit, maybe not voice acting. I never really, it never occurred to me um, to be a voice actor. I, I was like, who, how does anybody do that? Even as a kid, I was just like, well, shit, I just want to be an actor. And people say, oh, you should do voices. I, okay, that's fine. I don't know. Um, but, uh, and it's funny that now that I'm thinking of it, um, that whole thing about we were talking before about when I sort of snap into the voice and people get a huge kick out of it. It's funny because when I was a kid, you know, because people ask me a lot, like, where did you, when did you, how did you start voice acting or what was the beginning of it? And it was never like set out to be a voice actor. It was always, uh, uh, if you're the kind of person who acknowledges people's, like if you're in seventh grade and your science teacher has a, a voice that sounds like this. So then you go into the cafeteria and you say, hey, John, are you going to finish that sandwich? And they all get a huge kick out of it that sort of pressing that button i was doing that when i was a little kid and then all throughout this time i really haven't and now i feel like i'm kind of doing it again where i'll be talking to somebody and then snap into the voice and then they just get a huge kick out of it and when i was in high school our principal he kind of sounded like this and if you think about it it's kind of has the same placement of the duke so i feel like i've been doing that voice ever since i was in uh, ever since i was in high school well there's a little secret for everyone the Duke's voice yeah. came from your old principal. Yeah, yeah, Mr. So, Gepper, his name, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're an hour and a half in so far, so we're, we're probably going to call it quits on a minute, but I, I do want to say, though, uh, you know, when, when you were self-deprecating with Dan, even a little bit today, and blah, 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 you got where you are for a reason, 
you know you're you're a good voice actor um don't, don't be thanks, so hard man. on yourself in fairness no thank you so much yeah well and that and like you know being able to kind of uh being able to do this stuff definitely kind of helps i mean i feel like i was a lot uh, you know with dan it was I feel like with Dan, I was very just like, gee golly, guys, I was in a video game, <laughs> you know, and I feel like now I'm a little bit more, a little bit more uh, relaxed, definitely. But, and, you know, and I think uh, I can't, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I find that my biggest goal is to be obviously the, the wanting to like, you know, have the fans notice me, that's nice and everything, but I want to be, um, I kind of want to be famous among the makers the people that make games, the people that make, people hire you. Yeah. you know what I mean? So they'll give me a job, you know, because ultimately when it all comes down to it, I love doing this stuff, but this is, I mean, not to like take any of the fun out of it. This is my vocation. This is my, it's like being a plumber or, or construction where like, this is, this is something I like to do. It's something that I'm uniquely qualified to do. So I would just want to keep, uh, keep doing it. And I always keep, I always say resident evil was a home run for my career, but the bases are loaded because it was Resident Evil, <laughs> you know what I mean? So obviously, so now I'm just like, just get back on base, just get back on base. That, that's where I'm sort of like focused now. But it is also, it means the world to me that I was able to contribute to something that is so meaningful to so many people uh, because I know how they feel about, you know, just loving a game or a movie or a TV series or a musician or whatever, you know, it's, it's great. Well, I'm glad you're able to help present the art and make it possible um but yeah i suppose if people want to check you out and where can they find you yeah i i on i i have instagram i should change my name on instagram but it's it was just it's duder three d-o-o-d-e-r three because duder is a word that i use a lot hey duder how you doing how's how, how you duders doing so uh <laughs> so that that's instagram and then my name aaron laplant five because apparently there were four other aaron laplants so that's on Twitter, Aaron LaPlante five. I don't have Facebook. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get on Facebook, but those, those two things, I guess, were, are where you can, um, where you can find me. And I am, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You are? Uh, IMDB. If, if, if you're interested in yeah. any other, any of the other work that I've done, um, uh, then yeah, you can find it on there. Cause that's, that's another thing. I get a lot of messages from people saying, uh, what other stuff have you done? <laughs> and I was just like, well, you know, there's this I am there's this website that the whole point of it is that there's a list of the shit that I've done so you can check that out. But. And to save you the hassle of get, of taking a little taking a look at it, it's Resident Evil Primal, and the most important one, Thomas, go ahead. Oh, Hotel Tan Hotel Transylvania Three. Yes, that's on, right. <laughs> get on board. There's Hotel Transylvania, and there's also the new one that's coming out, Hotel Transylvania Transformania. I did the did the voice of the Gremlins in that one too. So look out check that out <laughs> there you go I'll be, I'll hell be, yes can't wait <laughs> well it, it was sounds having you on um so any, anyone who watched this listen to a fair play to you for getting this far or in fair play to you as a whole jeez we went on a real bender today it was good crack but uh, <laughs> take, take it handy good luck and bye-bye